Greetings and welcome to the Audio Tidbits Podcast Network. We hope you enjoy the show. So far, you have developed a wide range of understanding and skills to assess families at risk. You have studied the behavior and attitudes of family members, and have thought about stress, depression, value problems, and other personal issues. Your learning has included identifying specific signs of risk, and seeing how they are experienced by family members. You now have a good feel for people, families, and their problems. You also have learned about assessing how people get along. You are able to focus on relationships, communication, problem-solving, and decision-making. Additionally, you now know how to use some tools and shortcuts to determine the risk level for your family. It is now time to bring your understanding and skills together. Here is an extended narrative of a family at risk. As you will see, the people in the narrative behave and reflect attitudes that are sometimes helpful and sometimes very risky. Your challenge is to identify the elements of risk, understand how bad outcomes follow from actions and events, and assess the risk for the family. The narrative is divided into seven sections reflecting critical periods in the life of the family. The underlying events are true. This is the way it really happened. Many of the details and descriptions have been changed to protect the family's anonymity. Were this a fictional family, all the motivations, events, and details would have been carefully crafted to answer all of your questions, and to eliminate all gaps and inconsistencies. Real life is not so neat. You will need to use your developing insight and skills to fill in the gaps, understand the inconsistencies, and to somehow make sense of life in the real world. One someone to talk to Kathy pulled up to the two-story, white house that belonged to her parents, the same house she, Joyce, and Larry grew up in so many years ago. She loved spending time here because it made her feel so comforted and relaxed. She needed that today, of all days. As she got out of the car, she glanced at the big weeping willow tree in the side yard. She and Larry had spent endless afternoons climbing and playing in that tree when they were growing up. It was her favorite place to escape to as a child. Even Joyce would sometimes play with them in that tree but usually she spent her time in the house with their mother. Kathy walked up the sidewalk to the house. It was early spring, and the daffodils along the walk were beginning to come up. She was always amazed at how well her mother took care of the yard, especially now that she was nearing 70. Kathy quietly slipped into the house, bypassed the kitchen, and went straight into the den. She felt badly about not saying hello to her mother but she needed some time alone to get her thoughts together. Her head was still swarming with her worries and concerns about her daughter, Jess. Part of her wished she had skipped coming tonight. For years, she and Jess had eaten there every Monday and Friday night. They only lived a mile down the road from one another so it seemed a natural thing to do. She always told Jess it was to keep Grandma and Grandpa company. Deep down though, Kathy knew she did it to comfort herself. She liked sitting in the den, in her father's big reclining chair. The room was done in rust and hunter green tones that kept it unusually dark. Today, this darkness seemed to swallow her up and take her away from her problems. Just as she was about to drift off to sleep, Kathy's mother, Miriam, walked into the den. Dear, why didn't you come say hello when you came in? I'm sorry, Mom, I just needed some quiet time to myself, replied Kathy as she started to her feet. Do you need any help with dinner? No, dinner's fine, Miriam answered hesitantly. 
Is everything all right, honey? I've been worried about you lately. You've seemed so preoccupied and distracted in recent weeks, and hiding out in the den like you've done tonight is just not like you. Mom, I know I haven't been myself lately and I would like to talk about what's going on but not right this instant. Okay? Kathy said abruptly as she walked out into the hallway. Miriam followed her daughter to the kitchen. Okay dear, I won't push you but I did want you to know I'm worried about you. Avoiding further conversation, Kathy reached into the cupboards and grabbed the dinner plates. Is dinner almost ready? I'm gonna go ahead and set the table. Yes, it'll be done shortly. Is Jess coming tonight? She's usually here by now, asked Miriam. No, she has to work late at the center. She said she would stop by sometime tomorrow though. God, I didn't think dinner was ever going to end, Kathy thought to herself as she snuck back into the den. Her sister Joyce and niece Babs had also decided to come for dinner. All those people were just what Kathy did not need. She hated making small talk at the dinner table, and would much rather be by herself. She figured she had about half an hour before her mother would find her again so she decided to enjoy the tranquility as much as possible. She reached for the family album before she snuggled back into her father's big chair. She always enjoyed looking through the album, especially at her childhood pictures. Life was so carefree then. She wondered how a child who had been so happy could be so sad and lonely now. As she skimmed the pages, she came across her daughter's senior picture taken two years ago. Jess was a pretty girl but so shy and quiet. Even as a child, she was never very outgoing. That always worried Kathy but she never encouraged anything different. I guess that's why there is such a problem today, Kathy sighed. After looking through the rest of the pictures, Kathy closed the album and set it on the table next to the chair. She closed her eyes in hopes of drifting off to sleep again but quickly knew that was not to be as she heard her mother enter the room and shut the door. She turned to look at her mother. She was a petite woman with a typical grandmother look. Her hair was a silver gray and she had it shampooed and set once a week at the beauty parlor. She dressed conservatively, matching her opinions and views in life. And she had the sweetest looking face that made it so easy for people to talk to her. Hi, Mom. I guess you found me again. I'm sorry I didn't help you wash the dishes, Kathy said as she sat up in the chair. That's all right. Joyce helped me. I think she sensed you needed some time to yourself. Do you want to talk now or should I just leave you alone? Asked Miriam. No mom, you can stay. Well, what is it that's bothering you, honey? Miriam asked as she took a seat on the couch opposite her daughter. Kathy straightened up in the chair before she began her explanation. I've just been really worried about Jess lately. She doesn't hardly have any friends, she doesn't date at all, and she spends all her free time with me or locked up in her room reading some book. She acts like an old maid when she should be out having the time of her life. Kathy stopped and again looked at her mother. I just feel like this is all my fault. I've rarely encouraged her to do things on her own, and to be quite frank, I'm afraid I may have ruined her life. I just don't want her to end up like me, 40, fat, and alone. Actually dear, you are 45, interrupted Miriam, but you are not alone. You have your family, and what about your job, and the church? Mom, I know but I'm not talking about me, Kathy said sharply. Well, I think maybe you are. Before you start handling Jess' problems, I think you need to deal with your own first. Great, 
Cassie thought to herself. This is all I need, my own mother psychoanalyzing me. She shifted around in the chair, desperately searching for a way to end the conversation. Miriam softly looked at her daughter. She had often wondered what the impact would be from all that had happened to Kathy over the years. She wished she would have interfered a long time ago. Maybe some of the pain could have been avoided. Now she knew she could not keep quiet any longer. Why don't you come sit on the couch beside me, Miriam said as she patted the space beside her with her hand. Kathy sighed heavily as she edged her way out of the chair and over to the couch. She nestled herself in the far corner, hoping to discourage the oncoming conversation. Her mother was staring directly into her eyes. It was as if she could see all the hurt that had built up over the last 25 years. Kathy suddenly had the urge to cry, but did not. After what seemed an eternity of silence, Miriam finally took a deep breath and started talking. Kathy, I think your problems all started 25 years ago with your marriage to Dan. To coming back home. Well, they should be here anytime now, Kathy said to herself as she stared out the front window. She could not believe everything that had happened over the last three weeks. How did this happen? What could I have done differently? These were the questions she kept asking herself over and over again. After a few moments, she turned from the window and glanced at all the boxes in front of her. She had spent the last 24 hours packing everything she had. Possession is the key. Take all you can so he'll end up with as little as possible. She kept reminding herself of her father's statements as she was packing the night before. God, how embarrassed she was when she told her mom and dad what Dan had done to her. But for the most part, she was relieved they knew. Now, at least she was getting some help, although the thought of moving back in with her parents was less than thrilling. I better wake Jess up so she's ready when they come, Cassie said to herself as she turned toward the hallway. She stopped in front of the hallway mirror that used to hang on the wall. It was now leaning against the wall, ready to be taken to its next destination. She just stood in front of the mirror staring at herself. She still looked like she was 20, even though she would be turning 27 next month. Her hair fell past her shoulders and was almost a carrot orange in color. Besides her shyness, her hair color was the only thing she hated about herself. She was quite tall for a woman standing at an even six feet. She liked being tall because it gave her self-confidence when she felt she was lacking it. She was very slender and her curves fell in all the right places. Her body was envied by most other women but she was unaware of that. Cassie looked hard into her own eyes. She did not have the face of a model but she was still very attractive. I'm pretty decent looking. I have a good personality. So why did all this happen? She said aloud to her reflection. After staring at herself a few more minutes, she turned away and continued down the hall to Jess' room. She peeked in the door and saw that her daughter was still sound asleep. Cassie figured Jess would be tired today after all the packing and running around that had been going on. She hated to wake her up. Like all the other rooms in the house, everything was in boxes. Jess was not sure what was going on but the thought of staying with Grammy and Grampy pleased her. Cassie sat on the edge of her daughter's bed and watched her sleep. Jess was two and a half years old. She had the softest blonde hair Cassie had ever seen. She smiled while remembering how worried she was when Jess was still bald at two years old. She was so concerned her hair would never grow in, but it finally did. Jess also had great big brown eyes brimming with curiosity. 
She was always getting into everything, wanting to know what everything was, and how it all worked. Kathy could hardly keep up with her some days. She did not mind though. Jess was her pride and joy and playing with her and running after her all day kept Kathy's mind off her husband, Dan. Another 20 minutes went by and Kathy finally had her daughter all set to go. Just as she was walking back to the living room, she heard the sound of car doors outside. Sounds like they're here, she said to Jess and with that, her daughter ran to the front door with delight. Well, hi there, baby girl. You got a kiss for Grampy? Kathy watched her father pick Jess up and cradle her on his side. Her brother Larry just stood and looked across the room at all the boxes. Hi dad, Larry, Kathy finally said. Her father turned from his granddaughter. You got everything ready to go, he asked as he scanned the room. Yeah, everything that could be packed is put into boxes, she replied. Well, let's get started, Larry said, breaking his silence. He did not know what to say to his sister. He had no idea what was going on until their father called yesterday for his help. After three hours, Kathy's stuff was loaded onto the rented moving truck. She could not believe it only took a few hours. She thought for sure it would take all day. She entered the empty house one last time before they left. She tried desperately to hold back tears but as she felt her father's arm go around her shoulder, she turned toward him and sobbed in his arms. It was a two-hour trip home to her parents' house. After 20 minutes, Jess fell asleep in the back seat. Kathy was relieved neither Larry nor her father insisted on riding back in her car with her. They both traveled in the truck ahead of her. She thought the time to herself would give her another chance to go over all of it in her head again. She hated constantly thinking about Dan and her marriage but until she had some resolution, she could not move on. 3. From Bliss to Bad Outcomes At first, Dan had been a wonderful husband. Kathy started dating him when she was 17 and in her last year of high school. He was a year older than she and had graduated the year before. After he finished school, Dan went to work for his brother who owned a grain company in the small farming community they lived in. The business was quite successful so Dan made enough for them to live on when they married two and a half years later. Kathy did not work outside the home and was very content taking care of the house and entertaining Dan's buddies. They came over for all the big sports games and of course, there were the weekly poker games. She did not mind his friends hanging around. She liked them and they were always very nice to her. Dan made a point of letting her know how appreciated she was for putting up with them. And when they did have time alone together, it was time well spent. It was about six months into their marriage when Kathy began to have some worries. Dan started becoming jealous over every little thing. Now when his friends came over, he would explode after they left, saying she had been flirting with them. She did not know what he was talking about. She usually left the men to themselves except for saying hello when they first arrived and preparing some refreshments. She did not think much about his jealousy at first. She even felt a little flattered by it. Being with Dan was the first relationship she had been in, so she was naive about some things. She had always been so quiet and shy in school she hardly dated at all until she met him. Another problem that seemed to be getting worse was all the time he spent at his mother's house. She lived alone in the house Dan grew up in only three miles away. His father died of a heart attack when Dan was still in high school and Dan became his mother's protector. Even before they were married, Dan was unusually close to his mother, 
but Kathy naively assumed the problem would go away once they were married. It might not have been so bad if his mother liked her but she always ignored Kathy whenever she was around. Even at their wedding, his mother was barely civil to her. Dan's sisters told Kathy that their mother, Patty, would not have wanted Dan to be involved with anyone, so the constant snubbing was nothing personal. At first the visits to his mother occurred about every other day after Dan got off work. He would stop by and visit her for about an hour or so and be home in time for dinner. After some time though, the visits became a daily routine and sometimes he spent the weekend with her, nights and all. Kathy was rarely invited on these visits, especially the longer they were married. She did not mind all that much though, because she was ignored any time she did go. About two years into their marriage, things stayed about the same. Dan still had his occasional jealousy spurts that Kathy no longer felt flattered by, and he still saw his mother daily. The only change was the brewing competition between Kathy and his mother, Patty. Kathy sometimes felt like she did not have a husband anymore, especially since he also began regularly eating dinner with Patty instead of Kathy. She tried discussing how this made her feel but Dan defended his mother to the end. It got to the point where Kathy finally gave up on the discussions because Dan would just storm out any time she mentioned his mother. Toward the end of the third year of their marriage, Kathy felt as if her prayers had been answered. Patty was moving. She was going to be two hours away. Kathy would finally have her husband back. And she did have her husband back. After his mother moved away, things seemed to fall back into place. Dan had been talking about having a baby, and now with Patty gone, Kathy felt like this would be a great time to start a family. Two months later, Kathy was pregnant and extremely happy. Dan was taking really good care of her and spoiling her rotten. They began planning for a nursery they would do themselves. A couple more months went by and Kathy began to worry again. She had picked out the wallpaper and decorations for the nursery but Dan was stalling on actually getting it started. She knew soon she would not be able to be much help due to her pregnancy. Then she found out why her husband was stalling. The dream she was in had suddenly turned into a nightmare. Dan found a new job and wanted to move away. He wanted to move to the same town his mother lived in. Just when she thought she got rid of Patty, back she came crashing into their lives. It was Dan's fault, she told herself. He let this happen to them and she hated him for it. He had been planning this move since his mother first moved away. His brother had told him about a guy who needed a partner in his grain company, and the company just happened to be where Patty was. Kathy felt trapped. She was expecting their baby, and did not feel like she had any choice but to go with him. She also had the growing suspicion Dan had wanted her to get pregnant just so she could not say no to moving. Dan and Kathy now lived in a small ranch-style house a few miles from his mother. Kathy knew she would be miserable in their new home, and two and a half years after the move, she found her life getting worse and worse. The only happiness she had was from their daughter, Jess, who was born shortly after they moved. She had turned two years old a few months earlier and was a handful to take care of. Dan took no interest whatsoever in the caretaking and raising of her. He was too busy with his mother to care. Just weeks after they first moved, Dan had resumed his visits with his mother. They were even longer than they had been before. Kathy figured Patty had something to do with Dan's distance from Jess. Patty would not want Dan drawn into his new family because it would take time away from her. Kathy desperately tried talking with her husband in hopes of resolving some issues. 
yet that just seemed to make things worse. The more she tried to discuss things, the longer he stayed away from their home. He even began spending nights at his mother's house. Kathy began to wonder if she had any marriage left at all. Should we stay married just because we have a child together? This question constantly nagged at her. It nagged her because deep down she knew what the answer was. The only thing making Kathy believe he may still be interested in their marriage was that he still got jealous easily. Even though it was annoying, she reasoned he must still care about her if he still got jealous. Kathy desperately wished she had someone to talk to. She had not made any friends in the new town, and was not about to call her mom and dad and tell them her problems. Any time she did talk to them, she made sure things sounded as if her life could not be better. She would feel humiliated if they knew the truth. She thought about calling her sister but they were not all that close. Instead, Kathy just let everything build up inside of her. Most of the time, she felt she would go crazy but taking care of Jess somehow kept her sane. Five months went by and Kathy could feel herself slipping into a depression. She knew she had to do something. Dan was usually only around once a week now, but it was never overnight. He no longer bothered to even take the time to be courteous to her. He just walked into the house, retrieved what he wanted, and left. If he did speak, it was always in a rude manner. She was surprised he was still paying the bills at their house. She had no job, and no schooling or training so she knew if he ever did cut them off, she would be in trouble. This fact was what finally made her realize she had to start looking out for her and Jess before it was too late. Kathy came up with a plan. First of all, she would have to tell her parents. As hard as that would be, she knew she needed their help. Inevitably, she and Jess would have to move in with them for her to accomplish her goals. Secondly, after she told them, she would ask if they would loan her the money to go to secretarial school. There was a six-month program at the community college near her parents' house. She would work part-time somewhere after classes to help pay some of the bills. Her mother would love taking care of Jess during the days so childcare would not be a problem for her. Finally, she would file for divorce. She still had a hard time accepting that her marriage had failed but over time, she would be strong enough to do it. The hardest part of Kathy's agenda was getting started. In order to do this, she had to tell Dan she was leaving. She did not anticipate any real problems, since he totally ignored her and Jess, but anything was possible. Kathy was so shy that confrontation was not one of her strong points. The day finally came to tell Dan she was leaving. She had not told her parents yet. She had decided to wait and see what happened with Dan first. Kathy knew he would be stopping by that day because his business partner, Jim, was going to bring some papers by that Dan had to sign. Her nervousness was almost unbearable. Finally, at four in the afternoon, Jim came by with the papers. She was glad to see him since it gave her a chance to push her thoughts aside about the upcoming confrontation. Jim was a very polite and friendly man and Kathy offered him a cup of coffee in hopes he would keep her distracted for a while. She was relieved when he agreed. After an hour, he had to get home for dinner. Kathy walked him to the door, and was feeling much better after the company. She was a little startled when she saw Dan sitting in his car in the driveway. I guess he just pulled up, she thought to herself. Kathy went back into the house, and waited for Dan to come in. Nervousness flooded her body all over again. I have to be strong. I have to be strong, she kept repeating to herself. After a few minutes, Dan finally entered the house. 
If looks could kill, Kathy would have been dead. She had no idea why he looked so angry. He stormed at her and began yelling uncontrollably. Why was Jim here? Are you sleeping with him? I knew you were nothing but a no-good slut. He gave Kathy no chance to respond to his remarks. She just stood there in shock. What are you talking about, Dan? Kathy finally was able to say. You asked him to come over here so you could sign those papers. Don't give me that bull. I saw him pull up to the house over an hour ago, you little tramp. You can't fool me. Dan was getting increasingly angry. Kathy backed away from him. She did not know what to say. He had never acted like this. This was like no other jealous fit she had seen before. He had never called her names and cussed her out like this. For Christ's sakes, he sent Jim over here in the first place, Kathy thought to herself. Dan continued yelling profanities in Kathy's face. She was not hearing what he was saying now because she instantly became enraged herself. It just boiled up and Kathy had no control of it, no control of the rage coming from deep inside her. How dare you come in here accusing me of things when you're never around as it is. Kathy began. You sent Jim over here and as far as I'm concerned, if anything was going on, it would no longer be any of your damn business. You gave up on this marriage a long time ago when you chose your mother over your own wife and daughter. Kathy was out of control and could not stop herself now, did not want to stop herself. As a matter of fact, I was waiting for you to come home because I am taking Jess and we are leaving you as soon as we can. I cannot handle your neglect and that crazy mother of yours anymore. I will not handle them anymore. Before Kathy could get another word out of her mouth, Dan bolted toward her and the last thing she saw was his arm raising. You stupid bitch, he yelled. With no time to react, Kathy flew to the floor after Dan's fist slammed across her face. The intense pain in her jaw flashed through her entire body. Somehow she managed to stumble to her feet when she saw him coming toward her again. She had to get past him in order to get away from him. The fear overwhelmed her. Just as he raised his fist again, she threw her body into his, slamming him against the wall, and then she ran to the back of the house into Jess' room. She quickly locked the door as she heard him running down the hallway. Open this damn door. Dan yelled as he banged on the door. Open it. Do you hear me? Open it, you bitch. Don't make me bust this damn thing down. Kathy sat huddled behind the door, terrified. Could he really bust through the door, she asked herself. She began looking through Jess' room for something to protect herself with. Oh my god. Kathy screamed. While hunting for some sort of weapon, Kathy saw her daughter hunched behind her toy box crying. How did she forget about her little girl? What if she had come out of her room when Dan was hitting her? Kathy forgot they had been playing in the family room while Jim was there. Jess had gone to her room to look for some other toy just before Dan entered the house. What if she saw the whole thing? Kathy thought to herself. Kathy picked her daughter up from behind the toy chest and sat down on the bed holding her. I am so sorry, she said, rocking Jess. Everything is going to be all right. But nothing Kathy said could slow down Jess' tears. Dan gave up on the door and went back down the hallway. Kathy did not hear him leave the house though. Oh God, what if he's gone to get something to break down the door with, she began thinking frantically. A new fear came over her. Not fear for herself but fear for her daughter. Kathy carried Jess to the door as she ensured that it was still locked. She had to do something. 
Finally, she put Jess down on the bed and began pulling anything she could in front of the door, the toy chest, the dresser, and even the bed. All the furniture in her daughter's room was so small. Kathy feared it would not do much to stop Dan's getting through the door, if he really tried. She picked Jess up from the bed and sat on the floor hunched against the back bedroom wall. Jess was not crying so hard anymore and Kathy continued to soothe her until she was finally silent. Thoughts about what to do next were racing wildly through Kathy's mind. There was no window in the bedroom. That meant no chance to run to the neighbors for help. She figured they were going to have to wait until Dan settled down and left. She just hoped he actually would leave. Mommy, why daddy so mean? Jess said through tear-stained cheeks. Hearing her daughter's voice brought Kathy back from her runaway thoughts. Sweetie, don't you worry. Everything is going to be alright. We'll just stay in here for a while and play, okay? Kathy tried but not very successfully to make herself sound cheerful. I'm scared, was the last thing Jess said before she snuggled herself as close as possible to Kathy, as if the closer she got, the safer she would be. Somehow Kathy managed to sing a song to her in hopes of calming her fears. After about 20 minutes, Jess fell asleep in her arms. Kathy remained stiff-backed against the wall. She was not about to let her guard down now. Not even the painful throbbing of her swollen jaw was going to get in the way. She was listening to every sound hoping the next would be the front door closing behind Dan. Kathy suddenly jolted forward. Dan was banging loudly on the door again. She had not heard him come back down the hallway. Where had he been? What had he been doing? Instantly Jess was crying again. Kathy sat her daughter in the corner and got to her feet. She did not know what she was going to do but she needed to be prepared. She grabbed some of Jess' toys, ready to throw them at Dan if he got through the door. All of a sudden, there was silence. But she knew he was still there. This isn't over yet, you damn bitch. Dan screamed through the door. With that, she heard him stomp down the hall and out the front door. Kathy turned and picked up her daughter. Now they both were crying. After about 15 minutes, Kathy slowly opened the bedroom door. She poked her head out and looked down the dark hallway. She had been locked in that room for hours, and it was now dark outside. Kathy quietly crept down the hall toward the front door. She secured the lock and looked out the strip of window beside the door. She did not see anything. For the next few minutes, Kathy went to every room and locked the doors and windows. She knew Dan had a key but this still made her feel safer. The only good thing was that both the front door and kitchen door had a deadbolt and chain she hoped he would not be able to get through. Jess had calmed down after a while and was asking for something to eat. She's probably starved, Kathy thought trying to remember how long they had been in Jess' room. She fixed them both dinner while she decided what she needed to do. She was going to have to call her parents and tell them. They were the only ones she could turn to. What about my face? She kept thinking. If they see my face, they'll go crazy. A big, dark bruise had formed on her jaw from Dan's blow. I have to wait until it heals. She was scared to stay in that house with Dan still in the same town but she could not possibly face her parents looking like this. It would be too much to handle. She and Jess were just going to have to make it for a couple of weeks until the bruise faded. She knew she was stupid for staying but she could not find the courage to deal with her parents. She did not know where she had found the courage to deal with Dan but there definitely was not enough to deal with her parents too.
she would call them as soon as her face healed, and then she would go live with them. Ten days passed and Kathy's bruise finally faded. It had gotten so dark she began to wonder if it was ever going to go away. She knew today she would have to call her parents to get their help. Even though things got out of control with Dan, her overall plan still remained the same. She and Jess would move in with her parents, she would get her secretarial degree, and she would save some money for a place of her own. Now if she could just muster up the nerve to call home. Luckily, since that dreadful night, Dan had not returned to the house. She prayed every night he would leave them alone. I guess there is a God, Kathy told herself. Of course, his absence meant no money to pay the bills but they were all in his name, and she would be out of there before the bill collectors came calling. She had to stretch what little money she did have in order to buy food for her and Jess but so far it had all worked out. The day turned to evening and Kathy was clearing the dinner table. Jess was in the living room, content with playing with some of her toys. As she was washing the dishes, Kathy went over in her head what she would say to her mom and dad. She decided not to tell them about Dan hitting her but would say she was afraid he might. She knew her parents were not thrilled with Dan as a husband so her being afraid of him would be the clincher she needed to get them to come get her. As she was finishing the dishes, the telephone rang. She had not been expecting anyone, and hoped it was not Dan. She would just hang up if it was. Hi, honey, the voice came over the phone. It was her mother. It's now or never, Cassie thought to herself. Hi, mom. It's good to hear from you, Cassie replied. After the usual formalities, and small talk, Cassie became quiet. She suddenly forgot how she was going to manage the conversation. Why are you so quiet, dear? Miriam asked. Is anything wrong? Yes mom, something is wrong, Cassie answered. After taking a long breath, she began her detailed description of the last several weeks. First, she told her mother how much worse Dan's neglect was of her and Jess. She described her plan of moving in with them and working on a degree. And somehow, as the conversation led up to her confrontation with Dan, she let it all out. Her nerves were running wild and she had to tell someone about what happened, and although she promised herself it would not be her mother, Cassie told it all to her anyway. When she finished telling about her bruised face, and being locked in Jess' room, Miriam sat at the other end of the line speechless. The next thing Cassie heard was the phone dropping. She dropped the phone. Cassie said to herself in amazement. She could hear some mumbling that included her father's voice. Cassie nearly began crying. She realized her mother was telling her father what happened. She was almost frozen in place by fright. She knew her father would be furious. Kathy, are you there? She heard her father say. Yes, she murmured. Now listen very carefully do what I'm going to say. I will drive up there to your house tomorrow with a truck, and we will move you down here with us. He paused but Kathy remained silent. I want you to pack up every single thing you can. Possession is the key. The more you have with you, the less he will end up with. And whatever you do, keep the chains on the doors, and do not let him into the house, no matter what. If he calls, hang up. I do not want him to know you are leaving. After a few more do's and don'ts, her father finally stopped talking. Dad, I'm sorry about all of this, Cassie mumbled. She could barely feel her lips as she spoke. Her father said nothing at first. Well, are you all right, he finally said. Yeah dad, I'm just so glad I have you to help me. 
I'd better let you go so you can get as much packing done as possible. I'll call you in the morning before I leave. Your mother isn't feeling so well now so she'll see you tomorrow. For who gets Jess? Mommy, are we there? Kathy was suddenly aware of someone pulling at her shirt collar. She looked in the mirror and saw Jess had woken from her nap in the back seat. In about 10 minutes we'll be at Grammy and Grampy's sweetheart. Are you doing okay? Kathy spoke to her daughter through the rearview mirror. She could not believe she had thought about Dan and her marriage all the way home. She wondered how she had managed to keep her mind on the road when her thoughts were so consuming. Hungry, Jess replied to her mother's question. Well, I'm sure Grammy will fix you right up when we get there. Kathy saw Jess smiling in the back seat. She was glad her daughter enjoyed spending time with her parents. They were going to become an even bigger part of her life. Four days after Kathy and Jess got settled in at her parents' house, Dan tracked her down. She knew he would eventually be calling when he found the house completely empty. What the hell have you done? He screamed over the phone to her. She wondered how he could sound so shocked about them leaving after what he had done to her. Kathy tried to sound calm. Since we no longer have a marriage, I thought it best to leave and start my life over again away from you. I have put most of our belongings into storage until the judge determines who gets to keep it. What judge? What the hell are you talking about? Dan continued to yell into the phone. I will be contacting a lawyer next week to proceed with a divorce. I suggest you find yourself a lawyer too. And with that, Kathy hung up. She was pleased with how calm she had sounded during the brief conversation. Is everything alright? Miriam asked as she walked into the room. Yes, Mom. I told Dan he better get himself a lawyer. If he calls again, refer him to my lawyer, Mr. Benton. I'll put his number by the phone. Her mother looked a little surprised. Have you already seen Mr. Benton? No, but Dad talked to him and I have an appointment with him Monday morning. Kathy smiled slightly at her mother and left the room. She went to see if Jess wanted to go outside and play. She wanted to enjoy herself as much as possible before the whole divorce process started. She was beginning to think things were going to be harder than she first thought. Kathy shifted her weight in the soft leather chair. She had just finished telling Tom Benton the story of her marriage and what she wanted from the divorce. At first he didn't say anything as she finished talking. He just sat behind his desk jotting down some notes on a piece of paper. Kathy quietly watched him. He was fairly attractive for an older man, she thought. He was in his late forties, with thick dark hair that was beginning to gray. He seemed like a strong man, making her feel a little more at ease about getting through the divorce without too many scars. Well Kathy, he looked up at her, I don't anticipate too many problems but in some cases, you can never tell. It all depends on Dan, his lawyer, the judge, things like that. Mr. Benton noticed her squirming a bit in her chair. Now, don't start worrying until there's something to worry about. I know your main concern is your daughter, and your full custody of her. There's hardly a judge alive who gives custody to the father over the mother but joint custody or visiting rights is where we may encounter some problems. He shuffled through some of the notes he had been taking. As you have stated here, your husband has shown little to no interest at all in Jess, so during the divorce, this may not be his driving force. He may be more concerned about some of your assets instead. Do you have any questions at this point? He asked. Only what the next step will be.
Cassie responded. Okay, Mr. Benton started again. If Dan agrees with the conditions and signs the divorce decree, the court hearing will be simple. However, he continued, if he doesn't agree with the conditions of the divorce, then the judge will have to make a decision based on what he hears from both of you at the hearing. Unless, of course, you agree with any changes of the petition Dan may want. Do you understand so far? Yes, I think so. Cassie said. Okay, then I will draw up the papers, send them to Dan's attorney, and get the show on the road. He smiled. If I need any more information from you, I'll call and if not, I will be in touch when I hear back from his attorney. Cassie thanked Mr. Benton for his time, and started out to her car. It sounds pretty easy, she thought to herself. Then suddenly she remembered Dan's words that horrible night. This is not over yet. What if he is going to prolong this or cause some sort of trouble to get even with me for leaving, she wondered. But she reassured herself that he did not care enough to give this divorce a second thought. Cassie drove home looking forward to seeing her daughter. She was glad Jess seemed to be adjusting to their new living arrangements. The one good thing about Dan's not being around too much was Jess really did not miss him. If anything, she only feared him. After a wonderful afternoon spent with her daughter, and a quiet dinner with her mom and dad, Cassie decided to spend some time alone. She had picked up a novel at the grocery store the previous day, and felt like absorbing herself into someone else's life and problems. She asked her mom to watch Jess and she went into her father's den. She nestled herself into his reclining chair, and opened up the book. After half an hour of trying to stay focused on the story, Cassie set the book down on the end table. She could not help thinking about her life. She was going to be facing so many new things. She wondered how she would deal with all the change. Cassie had always been shy and introverted. Although her marriage was a disaster, she at least knew where she stood. But now she knew where nothing stood, and she was frightened. In two weeks, she would be starting classes at the secretarial school in the nearby town. This did not scare her too much. She was only 27 years old so she did not feel she would be too out of place. But the idea of starting a whole new life with just her and just terrified her. She did not want to be alone. What if I never get married again, she thought. I'm so shy, I'm surprised I even met Dan and shocked I actually married him. The thought of having to get to know someone all over again was awful. She not only had to think of herself but she had to think of just too. I just have to be confident and believe in myself, she said aloud. Easier said than done, she knew, but she was determined to give it a try. Cassie walked into the kitchen to hunt for a vase for the flowers she had gathered from outside. Just as she found one in the cupboard under the sink, the telephone rang. I'll get it, Mom, she yelled to Miriam who was in the family room watching television. Hello, Cassie said. Instantly she recognized Mr. Benton on the other end of the line. She was glad he had called. It saved her the trouble. It had been over a week since she visited his office, and she was planning to call him later that day to see if Dan had accepted the terms of the divorce. Um, we got a hearing in front of Judge Farrell next Tuesday morning at 10, her lawyer said. Cassie quickly picked up on something strange in his voice. That was fast, Cassie said. Does that mean Dan agrees to the conditions he drew up? What Cathy heard next totally caught her by surprise. She felt herself slide into one of the kitchen chairs for support. At that moment, 
Her mother walked into the room to refill her juice glass and noticed the color draining from Kathy's face. After a few moments, Kathy hung up the phone and just sat paralyzed in the chair. What in heaven's name is wrong, Kathy? Miriam asked. But instead of an answer, all Miriam heard was sobbing noises coming from her daughter. She grabbed the tissue box from the top of the refrigerator and placed them on the table in front of Kathy. She held one of her daughter's hands as she sat in the chair beside her. She would just wait until Kathy pulled herself together. After about five minutes, the sobbing became silent and Kathy began blowing her nose and tried to settle down. She knew though she was still in shock because she still felt semi-paralyzed. After taking a few deep breaths, Kathy was able to tell her mom what had been said. Mr. Benton told me there is a hearing next Tuesday, she began. Well, that's good isn't it? Miriam asked. Doesn't that mean Dan has agreed to the terms of the divorce? No, mom. The hearing is so Dan can get visitation set up with Jess. He is filing for joint custody. Kathy felt fresh tears roll down her cheeks. Miriam stared at her daughter in disbelief. She could not believe what she just heard. She had no doubts this was all about revenge, revenge for Kathy's leaving him. I can't imagine any judge giving that man custody, Miriam said sharply. Yeah, well, we'll see, Kathy said as she got up from the table. She gave her mom a small hug and walked outside for some air. Kathy entered the courthouse wearing brown slacks and a cream-colored blouse. The colors matched the autumn season now upon them. She hardly slept at all after she received Benton's phone call last week, and it showed under her eyes. She waited outside their assigned courtroom until she saw Mr. Benton approaching her. Hello, Kathy, how are you doing? He asked as he offered his hand. I've been better, she replied honestly. They entered the courtroom and walked up to one of the front tables to take their places. They were a few minutes early. So, give it to me straight, Kathy said. What can I expect today? To be honest, the judge will in all probability set up some kind of visitation for Dan. The fact remains Jess is his daughter. We can present our concerns but I do not think it will make much of a difference. A few minutes passed and Dan and his lawyer came into the courtroom. Kathy tried not to look at him but she could not help herself. He sat at the table opposite them, staring directly at her with a smug smile. All doubts about his intentions quickly disappeared. She knew by the look in his eyes that the only reason he was doing this was for spite. He had to show he still had some control in the situation after she left him. God, how she hated him. Kathy slowly drove home after the hearing. Benton was right about what could be expected. The only surprise was the judge set up a visitation schedule that consisted of Dan seeing Jess every other Saturday. This was to be a six-month trial period. Six months. The judge wanted this trial period in order to have something to base his ruling on concerning the joint custody. The decision on the custody would coincide with the divorce hearing. That evening after a light dinner and some playtime with Jess, Kathy picked her daughter up and took her to bed. She would take this time to tell her daughter about the visitations. She had asked Mr. Benton earlier what would happen if she would not allow Jess to go on these visits. He said the judge would most likely hold her in contempt and put her in jail until she followed his orders. Kathy did not see that as an option. She got just changed into her nightgown, and tucked underneath the covers. I have something I want to talk to you about, Jess. 
I want you to listen to me very closely. Okay, mommy, Jess said with a serious look on her face. Starting in two weeks, you are going to go on visits with daddy, Kathy began. No. Jess shouted while sitting up in bed. Jess you have to, Kathy said. She felt tears burning in her eyes. How could she make her daughter do this? There is a man called a judge who says every other Saturday you have to spend time with daddy since you are his daughter. No. Jess shouted again, and this time she laid down and pulled the covers over her head. Kathy reached up and turned the light off and then laid down on the bed next to her daughter. She put her arms around her little body and held her close. She was searching her mind for some soothing words but could think of none. Daddy scares me, Kathy heard Jess say. And the next sound she heard was her daughter's crying. Five I'll bet my lawyer can whip your lawyer Kathy sat in silence at the kitchen table with her mom and dad. She was hoping the cup of coffee her mother made would help calm her nerves. Damn him, she shouted as she slammed her cup down on the table and began pacing the room. Today was Saturday, the first Saturday of Dan's scheduled visitation. He picked Jess up at 9 in the morning and was to return her by 7. Kathy did not think she would ever get the sound of Jess screams out of her head. She had cried and screamed the whole way out the door. She did not want to go but Dan was relentless. He did not care about her feelings. He was satisfied just by seeing Kathy standing there helpless. As Kathy continued pacing the floor, her father, John, got up from the table and walked out the back door. He had hardly said a single word since this whole ordeal started. She knew he was angry beyond words. I can't just sit around here and wait all day. I'm going for a drive to try and calm down, Kathy told her mother as she grabbed her car keys and headed for the garage. Two months passed and Jess continued to scream and cry every time Dan came to pick her up. Kathy had hoped Dan would give up on these visits but so far he had not. She was beginning to worry about changes she had seen in her daughter since this all started. Jess had become extremely moody and somewhat withdrawn. Kathy had expected this much. Jess did not really hold Kathy responsible but Kathy could sense that her daughter wondered why she had not done anything to stop this terrible thing from happening. Besides the moodiness, Kathy worried because Jess was always sick for a few days when she got home from her visits, and she constantly had the sniffles. Often when Dan returned her, she would be covered with dirt, as if she had spent most of the day outside. It was late November and no time for a toddler to be outside for too long. When Kathy questioned Jess about these visits, she said Dan took her to Grandma Patty's and dropped her off for the day. She said it was cold in Patty's house, and she usually just sat in front of the TV with her coat on. Jess also said Patty set her outside for long periods of time. Tomorrow Kathy decided she would go talk to Mr. Benton to see if she could go in front of the judge to get these visits stopped. Obviously, Jess was not being taken care of satisfactorily. The following morning Kathy marched into Benton's office without an appointment. Well, hello Kathy. I wasn't expecting to see you today, he said as he stood up behind his desk to shake her hand. Kathy ignored his outreached hand and sat in her usual chair. I want to talk to the judge. Jess is in danger on these visits with Dan, she said matter-of-factly. Exactly what do you mean by danger? Benton questioned. Well, Kathy started. Every time she comes home from being with Dan, she is sick. She constantly has the sniffles. And she told me Dan's mother's house is so cold she has to wear a coat inside. 
The worst is that she is placed outdoors for hours at a time, and it's almost winter time. Cassie was almost shouting at this point. Benton just stared at her as if she had not said anything. Is there anything I can do? She asked sharply. To be honest, Cassie, we need proof of any kind of neglect going on before we can go back in front of the judge, he explained. What kind of proof? She yelled as she stood up from her chair. She is coming homesick. She remains sick. What else is needed? I know this has to be frustrating, Kathy. But believe me, I've had hundreds of these cases, and you need more proof than a child with a cold. Now please sit back down, Benton said, pointing to the chair. Reluctantly she slid back into the chair. What are my options? She said softly, trying to sound under control. Like I said, we need proof of the neglect. What I'll do is give you a list of some private investigators you can call. The investigator can follow Jess throughout her visits, and get the proof we need. After getting all the details about the investigators, Cassie left Mr. Benton's office, and headed home. She could not believe she was in this predicament. This kind of thing only happened in the movies. While driving, Cassie also thought about the expense of hiring an investigator. She had no idea how much this kind of thing would cost. That was one question she forgot to ask Benton. She knew she could not go to her parents for more money. They were already paying for her secretarial school that started almost two months ago. They also were feeding and housing her and Jess. Cassie did not have a job since she was attending school so she also did not have the money to hire an investigator if the fee was too high. She would call the names on the list as soon as she got home, before she got her hopes too high. That afternoon after classes, Cassie got at the list of eight investigators Benton had given her. She slumped down into the kitchen chair after calling each one and finding out her predictions were right. Their fees were outrageous and she knew there was no way to come up with that kind of money. She talked with her mom and dad about the investigators and their fees, and they too told her they could not afford to spend that kind of money. At. She just felt like crying until there were no tears left. She knew she was going to have to continue to let Dan take Jess on his visits. This had to be a dream. If only she would just wake up. But she knew this was no dream. It was a nightmare. Another month had passed and Christmas was now only a week away. Cassie was relieved because Dan told her the last time he picked Jess up that he would not be seeing her on their next scheduled visit. That was the day after Christmas. She hoped this would be the beginning of a new habit. Maybe Dan was finally getting tired of driving all the way down here and back. Jess was continuing to be sick after every visit, and the cold lasted longer because now there was snow on the ground when she was being put outside for hours. Her clothes were always soaked through when she got home. Kathy sat in the living room that evening after dinner reading Jess one of her books. She loved having books read to her and insisted on it every day. Kathy was so proud of her because still a month from her third birthday Jess already knew the alphabet. She was sure her daughter would be reading before she entered kindergarten in only two years. After a couple hours of reading and playing, both John and Miriam entered the living room. Kathy knew at once they had something serious to discuss with her. How about letting Grampy put you to bed? John said to Jess as he swooped her up into his arms. She started squealing as he began tickling her while carrying her back to the bedroom. Miriam sat down on the couch next to Kathy and told her she had something they needed to discuss. What's up, Mom? Kathy said trying to sound nonchalant. She was not at all sure what was going to be said. 
your father and I have been talking, and we have come up with an idea for dealing with this problem of Jess being sick and filthy when she returns from her visits with Dan, Miriam said. What kind of idea? Kathy asked curiously. Well, we know that in order to go in front of the judge there needs to be some kind of proof of neglect. And even if we can't stop these last two months of the six-month trial period, we want to assure joint custody will not be granted. Okay so what is the plan? Kathy asked again. Your father and I decided since we cannot afford to hire a private investigator, maybe we should do our own detective work, Miriam said as she noticed the surprised look on her daughter's face. I know this may sound a little crazy but it may be the only way to get our evidence. Miriam continued, after the holidays, when Dan resumes his visits, you and I are going to rent a car, wear a disguise, bring a camera, and get what we're after. Cassie sat staring at her mother in amazement. Are you for real? She asked. Yes, and we're very serious about this. What do you think, Kathy? To be honest mom, I need some time to absorb this before I can give you an answer, she said. That's fine. Let me know when you decide. With that, Miriam got up from the couch and walked into the kitchen. Kathy sat on the couch stunned by the conversation. She could not believe her parents came up with such an idea when they were so conservative and level-headed. This just seemed so outrageous and crazy. She definitely had a lot to think over. Christmas came and went without a hitch. Kathy had been worried Dan might try something stupid but he did not. There was one week left before his next visit with Jess and Kathy had made up her mind about doing their own investigative work. Although the plan still seemed bizarre, she decided to go along with it. Other than going to jail for not abiding by the judge's orders, this seemed like the only way to get the visit stopped. That week, Kathy told her parents she would go along with the plan, and they proceeded to work out all the details. Her mother made the arrangements for the rental car, and got the necessary film for the pictures they would need. The only thing left was deciding on a disguise. Two days before the visit, Miriam came walking into the kitchen with a bag while Kathy sat at the table going over some of her notes for school. She looked up as her mother entered the room. What's in the bag, Mom? Kathy wondered. Our disguises, Miriam answered as she emptied the bag onto the table. Kathy could not help but laugh when she saw the two wigs falling out of the bag. One was shoulder length with blonde hair, and the other had jet black hair, and was long and wavy. While Jess was down for her nap, they went into Miriam's bedroom to try on their wigs. Kathy wore the black one and almost cried laughing when she had it on. She could not believe they were actually going to be doing this. Miriam also bought some dark sunglasses and makeup so they could appear quite different than their actual appearances. She did not want to take any chances Dan or his mother would recognize them. Saturday morning finally arrived and Kathy was much more anxious than she had anticipated. She tried to sound as calm as possible when Dan took Jess crying on her visit. Even though they were now in their fourth month of visitation, Jess still was adamant about not wanting to go with her father. Hopefully, that would all change soon. As Dan and Jess pulled out of the driveway and down the street, Kathy went into the garage and got into the car where her mother had been waiting. Miriam was already in disguise. She pulled out of the garage once Kathy got her wig on and they started on their mission. They decided Kathy could put her makeup on while they were driving. The whole drive there, Kathy and Miriam found themselves giggling quite often. They knew the situation was serious but they looked so ridiculous they could not keep a straight face. 
This is one thing Kathy never thought she would be doing with her mother. They had decided ahead of time to first follow Dan and see where he spent his days while Jess was stuck at Patty's house. The anxiousness that had worn down somewhat on the two-hour trip was now back in full force. Kathy was sitting on the edge of her seat, and the butterfly feeling got worse and worse in her stomach. She looked over at her mother driving, and could see the seriousness in her face. There was no more laughing now. They were there on a mission, and would not stop until they got what they needed. Fifteen minutes after Dan dropped Jess off at his mother's, they followed him as he pulled into the parking lot of a small, grungy-looking bar. Miriam parked across the street as Kathy took pictures of Dan entering the place. They sat there in total silence as an hour and a half went by. After agreeing he would most likely be there a while, they drove back to Patty's house to see what they would find. They parked on the street diagonally across from her house and waited to see what would happen. There was not once Jess came home without being wet and filthy so Kathy was sure something would occur sooner or later. Two hours dragged on while Miriam and Kathy sat in disguise out in the car. Kathy was just about to give up hope of getting any evidence when suddenly she noticed something moving by the bushes around the side of the house. Within seconds, she noticed the movement was her daughter Jess coming into view. Had she been out back all this time wandering around or was she just now put outside? Kathy wondered silently. She grabbed the camera off the seat and began taking pictures of Jess outside. She was all alone and her winter coat was not even zipped up. She had mittens on but no toboggan. As Kathy zoomed in a little closer, she noticed Jess' clothes had dirt on them. From this, she deduced that Jess had been outside for quite a while. Almost another two hours went by and Jess was still wandering in Patty's yard, sometimes in the front and sometimes in the back. It took all Kathy's willpower not to run over there and tell Patty off for leaving this little girl outside. Finally, she saw Patty open the front door and yell for Jess. Kathy noticed Jess flinch as she walked by Patty and went into the house. I wonder if Patty hits her. Kathy said to herself. After another ten minutes dragged by, Kathy and Miriam decided to head out. They knew Dan would be home soon to drive Jess back home. They drove by the bar on their way out of town and saw that Dan's car was still in the parking lot. I guess Jess was right when she said he just drops her off and leaves and doesn't come back until it's time to go, Miriam said. Kathy just nodded. That was only one of few comments her mom had made all afternoon. She guessed it was just as hard on her mom to see what was going on as it was on her. Ever since the visit started, Kathy had her suspicions about what was going on since Jess always came homesick, wet, and dirty but to actually sit there and see it with her own eyes made it much more difficult to handle. There were no longer suspicions and unanswered questions. Kathy now knew exactly what was going on. Today, everything became a reality. The two-hour trip home seemed more like five hours. Kathy and Miriam did not say a word to each other. They were both absorbing their finished mission. Monday morning Kathy called to make an appointment to see Mr. Benton, his secretary scheduled her for Wednesday after her classes. Good, Kathy thought, that will give me time to get the pictures developed. That evening, after she went over some notes from her secretarial classes, Kathy went into the den and laid down on the couch. The judge is going to have to end these visitations now, she said softly to herself. The best evidence of Dan's child endangerment and neglect was the pictures she had of Jess in Dan's mother's yard 
filthy and wandering around outside for hours. While Kathy was in charge of pictures during their stakeout, Miriam had kept a detailed log of the entire day, starting when Jess was picked up in the morning and ending when she was dropped off. Kathy could not wait to show everything to Mr. Benton. She wondered if he would be proud of her or if he would think she was crazy for doing her own detective work. At any rate, this will soon be over, she said with a smile. Wednesday after class, Kathy pulled up to her lawyer's office building. She gathered up her file of pictures and the activity log and headed inside. She was so excited to see Mr. Benton she could hardly contain herself when she had to wait 15 minutes for him to see her. But finally his secretary got up from her chair and escorted Kathy inside. Hello, Mr. Benton, Kathy said, trying to keep her grin to a minimum. Hello, Kathy. What do you have there? He asked as he took the file from her hand. Kathy told him to take a look inside. She sat down in her usual chair and waited for his response. After about five minutes, he asked, Is this what your investigator gathered? Kathy was flattered he thought this evidence was gathered by a professional but she tried to remain calm. Actually, this was gathered by my mother and me, she said slowly. We couldn't afford to hire anyone so we decided to get the information ourselves. Kathy began to get a little worried by the silence Benton was giving her. Why isn't he saying anything, she wondered. Well, she finally said when he still had not spoken. When can we take this to the judge to get the visitation stopped? Benton slowly closed the file she had given him and reluctantly looked up at her. I wish you would have told me about this before you actually did it, he said. Why, what's wrong? Kathy asked, knowing her voice sounded a little frantic. The fact is, this won't do us much good. What? She screamed as she got up from the chair. How can this be? Why not? I don't understand. Kathy felt herself losing control. She thought she finally had Dan, and now this. Kathy, Mr. Benton said as he came around his desk and stood beside her, please calm down. Now, the judge will not give much weight to this. This kind of information needs to be gathered by a third party whose motives are more objective. There are some other problems with these pictures but my point is that they will not do us much good. Do you understand that? Kathy felt herself begin to faint. This is never going to be over. He is always going to win, she began saying. But before long, she could no longer stand and Benton helped her back to her chair. As she sat in the chair again, she instantly began crying. She felt foolish losing it in front of her lawyer but she could not help it. She should have known better than to get her hopes up about this. Dan always seemed to get things his way. After a few minutes, Kathy finally began to get herself back under control. Mr. Benton came over and placed his hand on her shoulder. I'm really sorry, Kathy. I know you did what you thought was necessary. As she left his office, Benton told her to just try and sit it out until the divorce hearing less than two months away. I guess that's all I can do, Kathy muttered to herself as she walked out to the car. I'm never going to get any sleep tonight, Kathy told her mom and dad who were staying up and watching TV with her. I know you're anxious about the divorce tomorrow but you need to try and get a little sleep, Miriam said. Kathy ignored her mother's comment and stretched out on the couch. Since the day she walked out of Mr. Benton's office with the bad news about the pictures, Kathy had been almost zombie-like. Every day was like the same day over and over. She would just wake up, make breakfast for her and Jess, go to her classes, 
come home, make dinner, and go to bed. When Dan picked up Jess for her visits the last several weeks, Cassie could not even go to the door anymore. Miriam was the one who saw that Jess left all right. Cassie felt bad about it but she just could not deal with things anymore. But tomorrow at least the divorce would be final. Benton had told her the judge may grant visitation but it was extremely doubtful joint custody would be given. Cassie was almost sure Dan would give up on these visits once the divorce was final. He would no longer have to get back at her. Their life together would be completely over. After sitting in front of the television for a couple more hours, Cassie finally decided to try and get some sleep. Her parents had retired to their room over an hour ago and there were not any good shows on to keep her occupied. As she expected, she was too wired to get any sleep but laying down felt good. She could not wait until the hearing was over tomorrow. Another chapter in her life would be closed but that only meant another would be opened. She was excited and scared at what her future might hold for her and for Jess. In two weeks, she would be graduating with her secretarial degree, and she already had an office job lined up with the community's machinery company. Also, her father had found a small house a mile or so down the road from them that Kathy and Jess would be moving into the next month. Kathy had applied for a subsidized housing loan, and was accepted. She and Jess would once again have their own house. Even though the mortgage payments were fairly low, Kathy knew it was going to be difficult getting on their feet. She did not have any idea how she could ever thank her parents enough for all they had done for her. After a few hours of restless sleep, Kathy saw the sun beginning to light the new day. She decided to get up and get showered even though everyone would still be in bed for a while. She had not gotten much sleep, and her eyelids were feeling heavy. But she knew as the day got going, sleep would be the last thing on her mind. After an ever-ending morning, Kathy arrived in front of the courthouse. She walked inside the building toward the room where the hearing was to be held. She was a few minutes early and decided to wait outside for her lawyer. As she was drinking a cup of coffee, she noticed her hands were shaking almost uncontrollably. She was so nervous she felt like she had to vomit. Before she left the house earlier that day, her mother told her to take deep breaths in order to remain calm. This helped a little bit. Before long, Cassie saw Mr. Benton heading down the hallway toward her. She got up from her chair to greet him and instantly felt dizzy. Hello, Mr. Benton, she said. Hello, Kathy. Are you all ready for today, he asked. Ready as I'll ever be, I guess, she replied. Together Kathy and Mr. Benton walked into the courtroom. She noticed Dan and his attorney were already inside. They must have gotten there before her because she didn't remember seeing them while she was waiting outside. They took their usual seat at the table and waited for the judge to enter the room. Finally he came in and the proceeding was underway. Dan had no objections to the conditions of the divorce except he wanted joint custody of Jess. After hearing both sides, the judge took half an hour recess in order to make his ruling. Cassie was going to go have another cup of coffee until she saw Dan headed in that same direction. Instead, she just waited in a courtroom. Benton looked over at Cassie and noticed the anxious look on her face. I really don't think joint custody will be granted. Even though we had no proof of neglect, the mention of Jess being constantly sick and early on her returns from the visits was enough to put some doubt in the judge's mind. I hope you're right, was all Kathy could think to say. When the judge finally came back, Kathy felt her entire body go numb. She hoped she didn't look as scared as she felt. 
but relief filled her body as the judge denied Dan's petition for joint custody. She felt like going over and laughing in Dan's face. For once he did not win. She did. She had Jess, and they would always be together. The next statement, however, hit her like a Mack truck. Although joint custody is denied, the judge said, visitation will continue. You are the child's father and I do not foresee any grave danger. The visitation schedule will be attached to the divorce decree. In a flash of anger, Kathy was on her feet. How can you do this? She screamed at the judge. Mr. Benton, please get your client under control, the judge said as he hit the desk with his gavel. But it was too late. Kathy couldn't quit screaming. Finally, her lawyer had to take her out of the courtroom. But before she left she noticed the smirk on Dan's face. He knew he had won again. He always got his way. A month had passed since the divorce and Kathy felt herself slipping into a depression. Somehow she had managed to graduate from secretarial school and start her new job. Miriam still watched Jess while Kathy worked, and in the evenings, Kathy would pick her daughter up and they would go home to their own house they had moved into just a week ago. Having a place of their own made Kathy feel a little better but not much. Dan was still picking up Jess for their visits. Even though it was now April and Jess would not be out in the cold snow anymore, Kathy could not help but still worry about her. As always, Jess continued to scream and cry when Dan came for her and Kathy continued to tell her she had to go. Kathy had Dan pick up Jess at her parents' house because she did not want him to know where they were now living. Although it was only a mile down the road, it just made her feel safer not to tell him. As far as she knew, he still thought they lived with her mom and dad. May rolled around and Kathy and Jess were over at her parents' house. It was another Saturday morning when Dan was to come for Jess. For the first time since the visitations began, Kathy noticed her dad was in the house. Every other time Dan came, her dad would be outside in the garage pretending to be working on something. When the doorbell rang, Miriam went to open the door. On cue, Jess began to scream and cry. Despite Kathy's talking, Jess would not relent. She would not let go of Kathy's arm. You better make her come or I'll call my lawyer first thing Monday morning, Dan said coldly to her. Can't you see she doesn't want to go? Kathy yelled at him. Something finally snapped in her. For almost nine months, she made her daughter go with this man she was scared of. She could not take it anymore. She did not care anymore about judges, lawyers, and visitation rights. She had to think of Jess. If this did not stop now, the damages might be irreparable. Just as Dan was about to snatch Jess away from Kathy, her father entered the room. He took Dan strongly by the arm and led him outside to the porch. For five minutes, Kathy and Miriam watched as John spoke to Dan. The next thing they saw was Dan heading toward his car. Kathy could not believe her eyes. He was leaving. John came into the house and looked at her and Jess. He won't be bothering you anymore. And with that, he turned and walked out of the room. No one ever found out what was said on the porch that day but whatever it was had kept Dan away. He no longer came to pick up Jess and he did nothing by way of contacting his lawyer. Kathy would never forget her father for what he did. 6. A second chance. A few months passed after her divorce and Kathy had a whole new outlook on her life. Her 28th birthday had come and gone and she was feeling really good about herself. She was looking forward to every new day with Jess and their life without Dan. 
In the quiet evenings after Jess went to sleep, Kathy often thought about what she wanted out of life. She was very happy in her job at the machinery office, and she was quite active with the church. Yet she still felt something was missing. After a lot of time thinking, and a lot of time talking with her co-worker, Shelly, who was about her same age, Kathy decided it was time to start dating again. Even through her experiences with Dan, she knew not all men could be bad. Kathy set a timetable for herself that by the time she turned 30 in two years, she would be married again. At the time, she didn't realize how unrealistic this was. But she soon found out. For the next two years, Kathy dated a few men, none of whom she had any intentions of marrying. She never thought how much went into who she dated now that she had just to consider. Not all men wanted to be involved with a divorced woman with a five-year-old daughter. Even though Jess was a very lovable child, Kathy found most men could not handle fully loving a child who was not their own flesh and blood. Most of the men she dated were over 30 and Kathy thought men that age would be ready to accept the responsibility and settle down. She was wrong. Instead of getting depressed about the possibility of being single for the rest of her life, Kathy decided to focus all of her energy into her daughter. Considering everything Jess went through a few years ago, Kathy was amazed at how well she was doing. She was a shy little girl but Kathy figured it was just hereditary. After all, she herself had been shy as a child, and still was as an adult. When Jess had entered kindergarten the month before, Kathy worried about the other little kids asking about her mommy and daddy. Jess just told all her friends she did not have a daddy. Kathy let her daughter deal with the situation her own way. She felt that was best. Anyway, since the day Dan disappeared from their life after her father exchanged words with him on the porch, neither she nor Jess had ever mentioned him again. Kathy was convinced that if she gave Jess a loving, stable environment the whole incident with Dan would not come back to haunt her in her adult years. Kathy's parents agreed with her and were also very active in Jess' life so she would not feel any lack of family attention. Since they moved into their own house almost three years ago Kathy and Jess began visiting Miriam and John every Monday and Friday for dinner. They even went to Florida every year together on vacation. Although Kathy did not reach her goal of remarrying by the age of 30, she was still happy. She knew she would occasionally miss the companionship only a man could offer but maybe after some time had passed, she would get used to it. Anyway, she could not just get involved with any man off the streets. She had to make sure he would be as close to perfect as possible for her and especially for Jess. There was no way she would ever put Jess through any more trauma like Dan had done to the both of them. Five years passed, and life went on the same as usual. Jess was now ten years old and in the last half of her fourth grade year of school. Kathy and her parents had just thrown a birthday party for her and three of her friends. Although she was still quite shy, Kathy was happy her daughter at least had a few friends. That was all she had growing up so she reasoned everything would work out all right for Jess. One night after Jess had finished working on a project for her science class, she came over and sat by Kathy on the couch. Am I ever going to have a daddy again? She asked. Taken aback, Kathy didn't respond at first. This was the first time anything about a daddy had been mentioned since Dan. Why do you ask, honey? Kathy said, looking at Jess. Well, all my friends have a daddy or even a stepdaddy too, and I was wondering if I would ever have one, she answered. Do you want a daddy, was all Kathy could think to say. No way. 
Jess shouted, looking straight at her mother, I hate daddies. Well, not all daddies are mean like Dan was, Kathy responded. I know, mommy but I like it with just you and me, Jess said and then ran into the kitchen for a glass of Kool-Aid. Great Kathy thought to herself. She was at the point in her life when she needed and wanted companionship again. It had been eight long years without any men in her life except the few she dated about five or six years ago. Her friend Shelly had suggested joining a club she belonged to. Kathy was thinking about going to their Valentine's party next weekend but after what Jess said she was not sure. What if I meet a nice man but Jess won't tolerate him, she wondered. After discussing the situation with her mother the following night on the phone, Kathy decided she did need a life of her own. She would go to the party with Shelly. The days prior to the party Kathy felt almost like a schoolgirl again. She was very excited and nervous. It was practically her first social gathering in years except things she did with the church, her parents, and Jess. Saturday night finally arrived and Kathy dropped Jess off at her parents' house. Jess could spend the night there in case Kathy had a late night. With much trepidation, Kathy forced herself to actually go to the party. It turned out better than she had expected. She met Mike who had been divorced for several years, and they continued dating two or three nights a week for the next several months. They were having a great time together, and Kathy decided he was someone to hold on to. It was time for him to meet Jess. It was a beautiful Saturday in May and today was the day they planned to spend with Jess. Mike was going to pick them up and take them to the zoo. Kathy was a little uncertain how Jess would react but even if today was a disaster, she was confident that over time, Jess would learn to like Mike. Jess came into the living room when she was finished dressing in a new shorts outfit Kathy had bought her for the occasion. She stood beside the TV while Kathy was on the couch watching it. Mom, I don't know why you are making me meet this Mike guy, she said shortly, with her hands on her hips. Jess, I told you he is a good friend of mine, and he wants to get to know you. I really like him, and I think if you give it a chance, you will like him too, Kathy replied. Jess said nothing. She just stood there staring at her mother in disgust. Even when the doorbell rang a few minutes later, she did not budge. Jess barely smiled when Kathy introduced Mike to her and she walked silently out to the car when they left for the zoo. Mike tried to start a conversation with her during the drive but she wasn't interested. He decided to give up for now. There was no reason to push her. Jess cheered up a little during their walk around the zoo. She even talked with Mike about the animals but in a tone to let him know she still wasn't sure about him. When they got back that evening, Jess was silent again. She had sat in the back seat all the way home as if she was deep in thought. Mike followed Jess and Kathy into the house to say goodnight. Jess walked straight through the door and headed for her bedroom. Just before she got out of sight, she came back toward the entryway and extended her hand to Mike. He shook her hand and she muttered, thanks. With that, she turned toward her room again. Kathy smiled as Jess left the room. Well, I guess today wasn't so bad. She wasn't very talkative but she wasn't obnoxious either. I think everything's going to be okay. I hope so, Mike said to her as he pulled her close, because I plan on seeing a lot of the two of you. Before she could respond, he leaned forward and kissed her. A few minutes later he left and Kathy stood in the doorway waving goodbye. Over the next few years, Kathy and Mike continued to see each other almost on a daily basis. Jess had come to love Mike just as much as her mother did and Kathy felt ready to try marriage again.
The only problem was that even though Kathy knew Mike loved her, he never said the words. The subject of marriage had never been discussed between the two of them. She did not know if it was because he did not want to marry again or if there was some other reason. That night at dinner, Kathy decided to bring the subject up with him. It took a lot of courage for her to start the conversation because she did not want to sound too forward and scare him off. Mike, do you ever think of getting married again? She could hear her voice quiver as she asked him. He looked at her but did not respond. I mean, we've been going out for three years and I just think it's funny the subject of marriage has never been discussed, she continued. This time, Mike put his fork down and slowly raised his head to look at her again. Kathy, you know how much I care about you and Jess, he paused, but to be honest, I'm not sure I ever want to marry again. Oh, well okay, was all she could say. She immediately began eating again. Mike watched her for a few minutes, and then also began eating. Nothing was said throughout the rest of the meal. Mike dropped Kathy off at home that night, and barely kissed her goodbye. She was sure he would never call her again. But she was wrong. He called the next day, and acted as if nothing was wrong. The relationship continued as usual. Kathy was not sure how she felt about the fact that Mike might never marry her and she might not ever hear him say he loved her but for the time being, she was going to stay with him. She did not want to be alone again. Two more years sped by and Jess was now 15 and near the end of her sophomore year in high school. Just when Kathy began to have some major concerns about her daughter's lack of social life, Jess came home from school and announced she had a date with a boy named Craig. Kathy was surprised and excited about her daughter's first date. Craig was 16 and in Jess' class at school. Dating may be just the thing to bring her out of her shell, Kathy told Mike the night Jess and Craig went out. I sure hope so, he responded. It is kind of unusual for a teenager to be so unsocial. She only seems to like doing things with you. Kathy shook her head in agreement. Of course, Mike continued, you do tend to shelter her so I'm sure that hasn't helped. What's that supposed to mean? Kathy said, getting defensive. Well, ever since I've known you, you never have encouraged her to be outgoing and do things with her friends. It's like you think she'll learn how to have fun, and won't want to spend as much time with you. Kathy did not say anything. She just stared at Mike as if he had slapped her. I'm not trying to upset you, Mike said, trying to soothe her. But it's like you have to have her for yourself. Kathy, you have a life of your own with me so why not let Jess develop a life of her own too? Kathy picked herself up off the couch and headed for the door. I want you to leave now. You don't know what in the hell you're talking about, she said angrily. After Mike left, Kathy went into her bedroom, laid on the bed, and started to cry. She knew there was some truth to what he was saying but she was not ready to face up to it. The first date between Jess and Craig turned into a budding first love. Over the next year, they did almost everything together. They saw each other every day at school, every night, and every weekend. Kathy did not like how absorbed they were in each other but Jess never seemed to listen when she voiced her concerns. In fact, Jess more or less lost all interest in her mother. Kathy felt very hurt about the whole thing. No more did they rent movies on the weekend go for ice cream late at night, stay up late talking, or any of the other little things they used to do. Jess even skipped their yearly trip to Florida with Kathy and her grandparents. Even though Kathy was still involved with Mike, she began feeling very lonely. 
She lived with Dan all those years, and he neglected her. Now she lived with Jess and she was neglecting her too. Kathy started spending more and more time by herself. She hardly ever went out with Mike anymore. Instead, she drowned herself in food. Slowly, she began gaining weight. And as the pounds went on, her loneliness and misery just got worse. Then one day, while Kathy was downing a carton of ice cream, Jess came running into the house screaming and crying. She went straight into her bedroom, and collapsed on the bed. Kathy went running after her, frightened by her daughter's emotional outburst. What's wrong, Jess, she said as she entered the room. He dumped me. Jess said in between uncontrolled sobs. For the next hour, Kathy stayed in Jess' room, and cradled her in her arms. For the first time in over a year, Kathy felt needed by her daughter. Although she hated how her daughter was feeling, she felt thrilled at the possibility Jess would be all hers again. A few weeks passed before Jess came out of her gloomy moods. She was not feeling altogether wonderful but she was beginning to get over the hurt of Craig dumping her. Being with him for a little over a year would take some time to get completely over. To keep her mind off her failed relationship, Jess once again began spending time with her mother. Kathy was ecstatic. They spent a lot of time shopping, going to movies, staying up nights, and talking, and doing other girl stuff together. The relationship with Craig and the painful aftermath had left Jess totally uninterested in dating. Anytime she knew a guy was showing the slightest bit of interest in her, she turned stone cold toward him. Kathy was worried about her daughter's behavior but decided that maybe with time she would work through her feelings. She knew her first and only relationship with the boy had scarred her but she did not want her to miss out on another opportunity later. However, for the time being, Kathy was going to enjoy all the time together with her daughter. The entire summer before Jess started college, they did everything together. They went to movies, baseball games, horseback riding, weekend getaways, and also spent a lot of evenings at the Dairy Queen. Sometimes Mike would tag along with them but usually not. All the ice cream sundaes and movie popcorn helped Kathy gain even more weight. By the end of the summer, she was more than 40 pounds overweight. Although she was having a great time with Jess, her self-image plummeted. She did not mind going out in public with her daughter but she no longer wanted to be in an intimate relationship. Therefore she cut Mike completely loose. They had not spent much time together lately and Kathy just made it official. That fall, Jess stayed at home while she commuted to a nearby college. She had thought about going to the state university two hours away but could not bear to part from her best friend, her mother. Besides, the thought of being lost in the crowd at a larger school frightened her. Due to Jess' classes, and the oncoming colder weather, Jess and Kathy did not go out as much as before. Instead, during their free time, they just stayed at home, and watched rented movies. When Jess had a lot of studying to do, Kathy would bake cookies, cakes, and breads all night long. She drowned her loneliness, and low self-esteem in food which did not help her weight problem. To fill the void of ending her relationship with Mike, Kathy became more involved in the church. She and Jess had always gone to church on Sundays with Kathy's parents but now she got involved in as many activities as possible. Kathy started teaching Sunday school for the young kids, and also led the youth groups on Wednesday evenings. She became active in all the church bazaars, and even organized a food pantry for the needy in her church. Being at church or with her daughter were the only times Kathy felt okay about herself. 
she felt self-conscious at work and when she was in public alone doing the shopping and other errands. She knew she was too fat to ever attract another man and resigned herself to being alone for the rest of her life. She would hold on to Jess as long as she could. After Jess turned 19 midway through her first year in college, she had an unwanted surprise arrive for her when she got home. As she was putting her books down and walking toward the kitchen to get a drink, the doorbell rang. A uniformed courier stood in the doorway and asked for her by name. She signed for the registered letter he delivered and almost fainted as she read the return address. The letter was from her father, Dan. She had not seen or heard from him since she was a little girl. She felt her hands trembling as she stood staring at it in disbelief. The letter dropped from her hands, and she ran towards her bedroom and shut the door. An hour later, Kathy arrived home. As she hung her coat in the closet, she noticed an envelope lying on the floor. Just must have dropped some of the mail, she thought to herself as she bent to pick it up. Her heart almost stopped beating when she turned the envelope over and read the address. Jess, she yelled. There was no reply. After walking into an empty kitchen, she headed to Jess' bedroom. She found her daughter there lying face up on her bed staring at the ceiling. Jess barely acknowledged her when she came in and sat down beside her. I take it you saw the letter. Kathy tentatively started the conversation. I signed for it before I knew who it was from, she said in a monotone. They sat together on her bed for a long time in silence. Neither really knew what to say. All the years since Dan was out of their life, his name was rarely ever mentioned. And now all of a sudden, he came crashing back in. Kathy got up from the bed and walked toward the door. I'm going to start dinner. She paused before she went on. If you want to read the letter that's fine. If not, we can return it unopened. Jess did not respond as her mother left the room. She just lay there feeling as if her insides were turned upside down. She tried to hold back her emotions but to no avail. The first of many tears trickled down her cheek. That night after a silent dinner, Jess retired to her room, saying she had a big test to study for. Kathy thought about going in and talking to her but decided her daughter needed to sort her feelings out on her own. When Jess woke up the next morning, she felt a little bit better. She had made up her mind about the letter from her father. She walked into the kitchen for her daily glass of orange juice and glanced at her mother sitting at the table. Good morning, Kathy said looking up from the paper. She scanned her daughter's face for some kind of sign to what she was thinking. Morning, Jess returned as she reached for her favorite glass. Once again, no words were exchanged during their morning rituals of getting ready for work and school. But as Jess was heading out, she stopped by her mom's bedroom. I've decided to return the letter. He has not been my father for years so there is no reason to start anything now. She quickly left before her mother could reply. Kathy sat down on the edge of her bed as a great feeling of relief spread throughout her body. She was hoping Jess would make that decision because she was unsure how she would handle Dan's being back in their lives again. 7. No one took Jess. While Jess was in the last half of her freshman year, she and her mother continued their close relationship. They still did practically everything together. But Jess was also developing a close relationship with someone else and was unsure how her mother would react. Jess did not make friends easily but in her English class she met a girl named Katie. They began spending time together between classes, and a nice friendship started developing. As their friendship grew, 
Jess knew it was time for Katie to meet her mother. Kathy was friendly toward Katie when Jess invited her over one evening for dinner but later when the girls went to a movie together, she could not help but be a little jealous. Kathy knew it was not right to be jealous of Jess's new friend but she feared this inevitably would mean the end of her isolated relationship with her daughter. She was happy Jess found a friend she liked so much because she knew it was not easy for Jess to get close to people but the feeling of competition grew every time Katie was around. She never told Jess how she was feeling. Instead, she just made snide comments on nights Jess would be spending with Katie. And when Katie was around the house, Kathy tried her best to ignore both of them. After a few months passed, Jess realized her mother was not handling this well. She had hoped over time her mother would learn to accept her new friend and get to know her like Jess did. She decided maybe the two of them should invite her mother along with them on some of their outings. This idea turned out to be wonderful. At first, Kathy did not feel like tagging along but the three of them ended up having a great time together. Kathy came to realize how special Katie was and what a valued friend she was to her daughter. By the time summer break had arrived, the three of them were enjoying each other's company. Kathy did not always go with them when the girls went out but she did not mind. She began enjoying her time alone at home and baked the girls cookies or relaxed with a good book. Every once in a while she got lonely but the feelings would subside. With the month left before school began again, Kathy started feeling like there was something Jess wanted to talk to her about but was too afraid to bring up. Jess would often sit silently with her mother like she was pondering some deep subject. One night, Jess finally got up the nerve to talk with her mother. Mom, there's something I've been wanting to discuss with you, she began. Kathy grabbed the remote and quickly turned the television off so there would be no distractions. She knew this was going to be a serious discussion. What's up, she said, trying to put her daughter at ease. Well, Jess said, taking a deep breath, Katie and I have been discussing living in an apartment off campus when school starts back up. Kathy said nothing. She was too stunned to reply. I know this is coming as quite a surprise but I think it would be good for me to get out on my own. And it would be really nice not to have to commute back and forth to classes, Jess continued. Still no response from Kathy. Jess kept on talking. I know it would be asking too much for you to pay for my rent and utilities so I will be getting a part-time job on campus to help pay for my half of the bills. It might not be easy but I think I should learn the responsibility of living on my own. Jess again looked at her mother for some kind of answer. Aren't you going to say anything? She finally asked. Kathy got up from the couch and looked straight into her daughter's eyes. Absolutely not. That is my answer, and this discussion is over and not to be brought up again. Kathy stormed out of the room into the kitchen. For the next few days, no words were exchanged between Kathy and her daughter. Jess was shocked by her mother's outburst and Kathy was shocked her daughter wanted to leave her. How could she possibly want to leave me all alone? Kathy would ask herself. She could not begin to understand her daughter's feelings because she was too absorbed with her own. The next few months as Jess started school again were torturous for everyone. Jess and Kathy still were not communicating well and Kathy also noticed Katie was not coming around as much. Jess did find a part-time job at a daycare center, and she was glad for the time away from home. She loved her mother very much but she knew she could not stay at home forever, no matter how lonely her mother was. When Jess was at home, she stayed as far away from her mother as possible. 
she would stay in her room studying or reading a book while her mother sat in the living room watching television. But Kathy was not really watching television. She was spending most of her nights in deep thought. And as the days turned to weeks, and the weeks into months, Kathy painfully began realizing what she was doing to her daughter. When Jess celebrated her 20th birthday at home with her mother, Kathy broke down in tears. Everything she had been doing wrong was finally coming to the surface. As she watched her adult daughter blowing out the candles on her birthday cake, it hit her like a slap in the face. Jess was no longer a little girl. Jess was an adult who had been so smothered by her lonely mother she had no life of her own. She had no friends, no boyfriends, and that was mainly because Kathy could not let her grow up. Kathy could not let her explore what the world had to offer. Instead, she used her daughter to alleviate her own pain of being lonely and not having a life of her own. For weeks, Kathy did not know how to deal with this realization. The thoughts of how she ruined her daughter's life haunted her day and night. She had to do something to amend the situation, no matter how painful it might be for her. She had to talk to someone about all of this before she drove herself insane. The following Friday, as she was driving to her parents' house for dinner, Kathy could barely take it anymore. She decided, if the opportunity arose, she would talk to her mother about this. Her mother had been an important part of Jess' life. Maybe she would be able to shed some light on the whole thing, and give Kathy the strength and direction she needed to get through this. Kathy pulled up to the two-story, white house that belonged to her parents, the same house she, Joyce, and Larry grew up in so many years ago. She loved spending time here because it made her feel so comforted and relaxed. She needed that today, of all days. Music by Kevin McLeod.